Coming up on Transformers University, we are heading back to the UK to talk about two more exclusive Transformers stories to the Marvel UK comics, including one of the most important stories of all time, and it happens right now on Transformers University. Hello, my friend, and welcome to Transformers University. I am your host, Anthony Bricalli, owner-operator Madman. Behind TFU.info, the website, this podcast, the toy archive, the social media, and so much more. And this is episode 71 of Transformers University. And before we get into talking about these Marvel UK comics, including one of the most important Transformers stories of all time, uh, a little bit of housekeeping, a little bit of celebration uh, before we do. So I am recording this on September 4th, 2019. And if you go back through the feed, that is the two-year anniversary of when I released the first episode of Transformers University. And in fact, two days ago, on September 2nd, was the two-year anniversary of when I posted episode zero. So this show, this uh, podcast is two years old. So I want to thank everyone that's been involved with this show, from the people who have been our guests, to our supporters on Patreon, uh, to all of our fans on social media, on Twitter, on YouTube, uh, Instagram, Facebook, everyone. Uh, I just want to thank you all for listening to the show, downloading the show, uh, participating uh, whenever you can. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And uh, if you know someone who would like the show, please do me a favor, send them a link to the show. Uh, let's spread the word. Let's let everyone know about the show because uh, I'm having a, fun, a lot of fun putting it together, uh, especially this particular episode because this is a, there's a story in here uh, that I've always wanted to read and never gotten around to. And so this journey for me is an experience as well. It's uh, Like I said, Transformers for me is always about ultimately having fun. So uh, as long as you guys are having fun listening to this podcast and being a part of my trips into having fun with this franchise, then uh, I hope to be around many more years after this. Uh, that said, I just also, in between those dates of September 2nd and September 4th, on September 3rd, uh, celebrated my 41st birthday. So uh, I want to wish a happy birthday to me. I want to thank you all for the birthday wishes who did uh, uh, send me those on, on social media. Uh, they are very much appreciated and much loved. And uh, once again, I do hope that as we continue on with this show, that I continue to entertain and inform you. Now, a couple more last bits of housekeeping. First off, I want to give some shout-outs to our Patreon folks. Uh, those folks being um, our newest uh, junior-level patron, student, uh, Jason Prevat, uh, or Prevate. I'm going to assume it's Prevat, but uh, Jason, uh, however you say your last name, thank you for coming aboard. I also want to give a shout-out to uh, John Levengood, He's the one they call John Levin Good uh, for up <laughs> for uh, upping his pledge on Patreon from the senior level uh, to the super senior level. So he doubled his pledge from five dollars to ten dollars. So John, thank you so much. Uh, that is awesome, and uh, we need to have you back on. Uh, John has done some stuff on this show before, and uh, we definitely need to get John back on. Uh, Finally, I also want to give a quick shout out to someone that's been uh, reaching out to me on uh, Facebook of all places. And and that person is David Becker. So David, I just want to give you a shout out. Thank you for all the uh, 
the messages and, and, and for all the cool conversations. And congratulations on scoring yourself uh, an Ecto-1 San Diego Comic-Con uh, Optimus Prime from Hasbro Pulse. Uh, the fine folks at Hasbro gave me one to review. Life has been a little bit hectic as of late. I want to get a video review of that done, so keep an eye on the YouTube channel for more on that. Speaking of the Patreon, uh, just one more reminder. We are at 23 patrons, and we are two away from our goal of hitting 25 patrons, where I will go back and re-edit the first three episodes. So it's actually the first, yeah, the first three episodes into video version. Video four, episode four is already a video version. If you don't know that, go to our YouTube channel youtube.com slash tfu info and check it out but we are going to go back uh and re-edit those uh, as soon as we hit 25 patrons on the patreon we are at 23 so for as little as eight dollar a month uh, you could be part of the patron and help us get there we only need two more two more at one dollar or, or more of course but uh, uh if you want to just start at a dollar you can do it and uh, help us out and help out the show, the podcast, everything else involved with TFU.info. And uh, one more thing, don't forget that deadline for Unicron is just a month away, give or take. Um, I really do encourage, if you can do it, to go for it, because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. I did mine. I know it, it took a little creative accounting on my part. Uh, it took the fortune of having a birthday that was near the original deadline. Uh, so I understand it's not going to be easy for a lot of people to do it. But if you can, if you could figure it out, let's get that to the 8,000 and get Unicron made. And when you do, post an image to social media and hashtag it, get Unicron made. One more thing that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I got in the mail on my birthday. Uh, it's not something I paid for. It's something I earned. Uh, and that is my press pass for New York Comic Con 2019. So Mark it on your calendars, October 3rd through October 6th. October 6th being the deadline for Unicron. Uh, TFU.info will be covering New York Comic Con. We'll be covering all the Transformers stuff. So anything from Hasbro or IDW or any of Transformers partners, we will uh, be there covering. But I will also be there covering uh, whatever just interests me. So uh, if there is a, say, Masters of the Universe panel from Netflix, I will be covering it. If there is a Netflix Transformers panel, I most certainly will be covering it. Uh, if there is anything kind of you know, 80s comics, toys, cartoons related, I'll probably be covering it. And of course, uh, I almost always cover the Valiant Comics panel. I'm a big Valiant Comics fan. So anything related to that, I will most likely be covering as well. So mark it on your calendar. October 3rd through October 6th, New York Comic Con. And uh, Twitter is where I live when I'm on at New York Comic Con. Twitter and YouTube. So YouTube channel will have stuff definitely from anything Hasbro we do. Uh, that is YouTube.com slash TFU info. And then Twitter is where I live during the con, during the panels. And that is at TFU underscore info. And uh, you can get straight to that at uh, Twitter.com slash TFU underscore info. All right, now on with the show, right? This is what you want to hear about Marvel Comics, uh, Marvel UK Comics, I should say, issues 74 through 82. And uh, first, a few things to note here. Uh, these issues all take place between U.S. issues 20 and 21. So issue 20 is uh, the Skids uh, adventure with uh, his girlfriend, and uh Issue 21 is Aerial Bots Over America, the birth of the Aerial Bots. So this takes place uh, all in between 
those two stories. For more on those two stories, I had head back to uh, my previous notebook to figure out when I did those two stories. We're looking at episode 62 of this podcast. So our first story, issue 74, is part one of a four-part Dinobots story called In the National Interest. And uh, issue 74 is written by Simon Furman, art by Will Simpson, Don't! colors by John Burns, I was saying Burns. letters by Anne Haffercree, half a scroll, edits by Ian Rimmer, and cover by a newcomer uh, to Transformers, as far as we're concerned, Alistair Pearson. Uh, and it features the Dinobots uh, cutting through the Autobot logo on a cover. It's kind of neat. Kind of breaks the fourth wall, and it's uh, Slag and Sludge and Grimlock. Uh, Grimlock using his sword, which is also something we don't always get to see, particularly in the cartoon. I think I believe I mentioned that an episode or two ago. Now, uh, Pearson uh, had did two uh, covers for uh, Marvel UK's Transformers, but he's uh, best known for his Doctor Who work. He has done uh, dozens of covers for Doctor Who comics and books uh, through today. He still does them. Now, in the National Interest Part 1 begins with Joy Meadows. Now, if you don't remember Joy Meadows, she was the uh, news reporter that ran into uh, Sludge in the jungle, well, in the forest, I guess, uh, during Dinobot Hunt. Uh, last time we talked about Marvel UK. And Joy Meadows is on a TV show called uh, Between the Lines. And she says she can prove that uh, Donnie Finkelberg and Robot Master is entirely a hoax. Uh, this... This draws the attention of the folks at Triple I who uh, want her stopped. So uh, in Portland Criminal Court, you come across Professor Morris, who we also remember from uh, another Marvel UK issue where he took over the mind of Swoop. And he, um, he is on trial for uh, the person he killed as Swoop. Uh, and he is uh, kidnapped from his trial by a bunch of vigilantes. Uh, at the Ark, the Dinobots are working out. Yes, they are working out. Uh, Swoop is even using a weightlifting machine. And uh, Sludge sees Joy, his uh, crush on TV, and uh, is completely enamored with her. So uh, we cut back to Joy, who is in her car, and she uh, gets run off the road and nearly killed and is about to be kidnapped by the same vigilantes that it appears took Professor Mars. Um, but the Dinobots are there to rescue her, and particularly Sludge. The car is knocked off the cliff and saved by Swoop. Uh, and one of the uh, funny things here is that this Sludge crush is played up for a lot of comedic purposes. Uh, Sludge is totally in love and infatuated with Joy, and the other Dinobots are disgusted by it. Back at Triple I, Morris is shown... Uh, a giant robot named Centurion. Uh, it's a robot for him to control with his mind. And that is where the issue ends. And we also have one other thing that's going to be ongoing uh, occasionally uh, in these Transformers comics, and that is something called Robo Capers by Lou Stringer. And uh, generally, these Robo Capers do not involve Transformers, but when they do, I uh, will mention them. And uh, the first one here is actually uh, something that does affect the other comics. Uh, up until now in the UK book, Soundwave uh, had been in charge of the letters page. And uh, in this issue, uh, Grimlock decides he wants to take over the letters page and uh, crashes through the offices of Marvel 
and uh, is swamped with piles of unopened mail as Soundwave escapes in his cassette deck form. Now, back to our main story. On to issue 75 in the National Interest, part 2. This one, once again, written by Simon Furman. Pencils by Will Simpson. Inks by Dave Hine, and we'll get to him in just a second. Letters by Anne Halfacree, Half a Skrull. Colors by John Burns. I was saying Burns. Edits by Ian Rimmer. And a cover by John Dillard. Stokes. I mean Stokes. Featuring Centurion uh, sneaking up behind Megatron. And Megatron, who is about to shoot, swoop in the face. Now let's talk a little bit about Dave Hine. Uh, He is an artist and a writer. he is more well-known for being a writer than an artist. Uh, he's had runs on Detective Comics, on Batman, Spawn, and uh, most notably, he is the writer and co-creator of Spider-Man Noir. So this issue's cover title is Double Jeopardy. I wouldn't miss it for the world, Trebek. Uh, though the interior title is referred to, at least by TF Wiki, as Gauntlet. Use magic to kill death. Which appears on the... Um, Previous issues next uh, panel at the very end. So when they tell you what's coming next issue, uh, that's where TF Wiki tends to draw their uh, story arc titles. So part two, the title actually appears in part one, and this happens uh, pretty much for this entire story and many many other stories uh, in Transformers Marvel UK. So uh, if you use TF Wiki like I do, uh, just keep that in mind. So we start with uh, Joy Meadows hanging out with uh, the dinos who uh, just saved her. She's planning to blow the lid off of the Robot Master story. Sludge is totally smitten with her, and uh, Swoop uh, concocts a plan with Joy to pick up her camera crew. Back at uh, the Decepticon base, Megatron is unhappy that Robot Master has gone missing, which he did in the U.S. book as well. Uh, And we cut to Portland where uh, Morris is finally taking control of Centurion. Joy's crew, they're driving around Portland uh, waiting to be picked up. Uh, They don't know exactly how that's going to happen but there is a uh, cement truck parked across the street that uh, is somewhat suspicious because uh, it has Megatron inside and it is totally Mixmaster. Megatron transforms and stops the news van uh, to which Swoop sees happening and realizes he needs to attack Megatron. At the same time, Centurion arrives and fights Megatron. Uh, There's a lot of fighting going on here. Swoop is damaged and is out cold as the camera crew hides. And that's how the issue wraps up. And, you know, for stories that are 11 pages at a clip, um, you know, half of an old comic, uh, there's a lot of action and a lot of things going on. Uh, you know, the it's funny because I know a lot of people are kind of down on the current IDW uh, 2.0 version uh, for being slow. They could t- they can three two they can learn a lot from the pacing of these Marvel UK books. That is for sure. Something's always happening, but there's always story happening too. But I will get off my soapbox about modern stuff. 
and get back into In the National Interest, Part 3. This is Marvel UK Transformers number 76, written by Simon Furman, art by uh, Will Simpson, inks by Tim Perkins, art assist by Andrew Leary, that's a new name, letters by Anne Halfacree, half a scroll, colors by Gina Hart, and edits by Ian River. Cover here by the aforementioned Dave Hine, which features uh, Swoop flying off with the LCTV news van, and uh, being shown through the scope of a sniper rifle. And as far as Andrew Leary, that's another new name uh, on this show, and, and as far as Marvel UK comics go, I could not find a thing on him on the internet. Uh, he has no other works. Everything kind of ties back to his work on Marvel UK Transformers, and uh, it's a common, fairly common name, I guess, and he is just... He is a tough person to crack down, assuming uh, he lived long enough to be part of the internet age. Uh, so if you know anything about art assistant Andrew Leary uh, in the Marvel UK uh, comics realm, uh, drop me a line uh, on Twitter at TFU underscore info or just shoot me an email info at TFU dot info. Now this book, I really dig how this book opens. It's got this really cool start. Uh, it's very much a... Frank Miller-esque in a way it's 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 Swoop's uh, inner monologue and he's talking to himself and he he thinks it was a dream uh, about him uh, having this stupid idea to fight Megatron only to wake up and realize it's not a dream and Centurion is still fighting Megatron uh, in fact during this fight Megatron transforms into gun mode so Mixmaster can fire him and then tosses Centurion through a number of buildings with the fight being a good distraction, Swoop grabs the uh, newsman and crew and heads to the skies, but is hit with a tracker from a I operative. Um, at the I headquarters, Mars has locked everyone out of his control room where he is strapped into this machine, and no one else can get in. So he has taken over the computer systems in that room and sealed himself inside. Back with the Dinobots and Joy Swoop returns and the Dinobots are laughing at him. Why? Because he is stuck mid-transformation. And this is another neat thing in this story. You don't see very often a Transformer who is not stuck in one mode or another, but stuck literally in between modes. And, uh, of course, Sludge still smitten with Joy uh, until the Dinobots find out the problem. The problem is the tracker that the I operative fired on Swoop. It was actually blocking his transformation. Uh, and that leads to a bigger problem because the Decepticons have also locked onto that signal and arrive where the Dinobots are, which is like on a cliff near a beach, and the Decepticons are in the water, and it's Megatron and Soundwave and the Constructicons. And it is time for a showdown, and Grimlock and Megatron have a bit of war words, and Grimlock's basically like... Uh-uh, we don't back down. And that's where the issue uh, ends in this fight that's just about to start. And that takes us to the final part of In the National Interest, Part 4, with a cover by Phil Gascoigne featuring just about all the key players uh, in this story on the cover in kind of a collage style. Uh, written by Simon Furman, art by Will Simpson, letters by Anne Halfacree, Half a Scroll, colors with a U by Tony Joswiak, and edits by Ian Rimmer. 
And we start with a uh, recap through the eyes of Centurion as he uh, watches the Autobots and Decepticons, the Dinobots and Decepticons, I should say, uh, battle from a bluff above the, the uh, beach side that they're fighting on. Megatron is fighting Grimlock, and he wants to know where Robot Master is. Grimlock doesn't know where Robot Master is, nor does he care. And the Dinobots fight the Constructicons uh, tooth and nail. Soundwave uh, lets Laserbeak loose, and the two of them fight Snarl until Centurion joins the battle and roughs up Bone Crusher. Then Swoop flies in, steals Mixmaster, and slams him into the side of a cliff. In the melee, Soundwave decides to hijack Joy and her camera team and then calls for a stop to the fight. Soundwave has made Joy and the camera crew turn over all of their tapes, which then Laserbeak uh, fries right in front of everyone's eyes. There's no need for fighting because the evidence has all been destroyed. The Decepticons remind the humans of what will happen if they try to go public and flee. The fight is over. The Decepticons win and leave. The Dinobots are wounded, uh, more so their pride than their bodies, but they uh, have lost the fight. And then back at Triple I, uh, Morris is still holed up in his control room. Uh, he's got food and water for a year, as he tells us, and he's planning to carry out his mission, which he feels he will not need a year. Uh, the other side of the wall, the Triple I uh, uh, boss, whose name kind of escapes me at the moment, uh, reminds Morris that uh, he will be arrested when he walks out of that room in the national interest, of course. And that is how this story wraps up with Morris still planning on completing his mission. You know, I gotta say, I know, I know, I'm on my soapbox a little bit about uh, the current version of IDW Comics, and uh, we'll get to that one day on this show. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> let's see, it's 35 years or so since uh, the start of Transformers. So that puts us at like 30 years from now by the time I get to it. Let's hope it's sooner than that. Let's hope it's within the next five years. Anyway, <laughs> it might not be. That said, I do want to talk a little bit about story and about pacing. Like I said, there's a lot of action in these books in 11 pages, and uh, it is uh, really nice to see that they can balance both character development and you know character nuance plus action in such few pages the other thing and that's including uh which blows my mind is including recaps uh which tend to take up a page to a page and a half of each of these books there's almost always someone recapping uh the previous issue or two you know, so that you know in the marvel way that every comic is somebody's first comic uh it's really cool to see that uh, they're still able to pull off, Simon Furman in particular, is still able to pull off telling these stories that are uh, stories unto themselves. And they're not necessarily complete. They're complete by the time you get two or three issues. They're, they're moving. They move. And uh, I think that's, that's something that uh, IDW has lost sight of. And I really do hope uh, that changes for everyone's sake because uh, a story that moves too slow... Um, will not benefit the comic uh, in any way, and that won't help IDW, won't help Hasbro, and it certainly won't help the Transformers as a brand. Now, speaking of stories that have helped the Transformers as a brand over the long term, and this is one I've never read. Uh, I thought I might have read it, but then in the process of reading 
uh, some of these issues. Uh, I don't remember any of it, so I'm pretty sure I've never read any of these. Uh, is one of the most important, and I'm sorry if I undersold this uh, last episode saying we were just going back to Marvel UK. I forgot that this was the uh, stuff we were going to be talking about. So, despite me underselling the importance of this episode uh, last time around, I do want to talk about Target 2006. Uh, this is probably one of the most important. This is certainly one of the most legendary uh, Marvel UK stories. This is the one you kind of hear about uh, if you haven't read it. If you haven't read Marvel UK, this is the one you hear from the people who did read Marvel UK. Uh, this is kind of where they tell you to go. Uh, it's an epic story. It's 11 parts. Uh, we will not be covering all 11 issues uh, this time around. Uh, we will cover those other issues in the next Marvel UK episode of this show. But we will cover a handful of them, starting with issue 78, which is actually the prologue. Uh, it's not part one. It's the prologue for Target 2006. And this story was kind of done to introduce uh, some of the 1986 toys, particularly the new leader toys, uh, that would be shown in Transformers the movie. And it's uh, also important to note that these stories were released uh, beginning in September of 1986. Now, that is after Transformers the movie was released in North America, but before it was released in the UK, which was released sometime in November. I couldn't find an exact date, uh, but what I got from TF Wiki was, uh, yeah, it was November. So there's going to be a, an importance on movie characters who we haven't seen in either the U.S. book or the Marvel uh, U.K. book until now. And some of these characters we'll never see uh, in the Marvel U.S. book uh, or in any like U.S. fiction until uh, the early 2000s when IDW does their comics. Uh, so it's fun to, to break some of this down, and we're going to meet some uh, interesting characters along the way here. We're also going to meet uh, a few characters for the first time uh, who are still being used in the Transformers franchise today. Now, issue number 78, the prologue for Target 2006, written by Simon Furman, art by Jeff Anderson. I'm taking it back. You watch. Letters by Richard Starkings. Colors with a U by Tony Joswiak. Edits by Ian Rimmer. And this is the second and final cover by Alistair Pearson. And it features Prowl, Ratchet, and Optimus Prime disappearing. And the story starts with Optimus uh, frustrated, uh, beating up trees in the woods, uh, angry about the Dinobots leaving. And uh, Prowl talks him down and in the process gives a bit of a recap. We then cut to uh, Cybertron and uh, particularly the city of Iacon, which is in ruins. And Emirate Zarin, who we met back in one of the annuals, uh, enters an underground base. Uh, we meet some new Autobots, including uh, his greeter, uh, a green Autobot by the name of Skater, who gives uh, Zarin uh, an update. They're working on this strike against the Decepticons called Operation Volcano. And uh, Zarin then goes and talks to Impactor. It's the first appearance of Impactor. Now, if you're following the current toy line, uh, War for Cybertron Siege, you know that uh, the first really the first official Impactor toy uh, to look like the Marvel Comics uh, iteration of Impactor is uh, on its way 
to stores in the coming weeks. And uh, uh, that is a big deal for those of us who are fans of Marvel UK and particular fans of another group that is going to be mentioned for the first time here, and that is the Wreckers. The Wreckers are a big part of Transformers lore uh, through today. And uh, we'll get to an issue before we finish up uh, entirely about the Wreckers. So I'm not going to talk too much about that right now. But uh, if you're a fan of the Wreckers, this story is where they begin. And Impactor wants assurances that Ultra Magnus will be part of Operation Volcano and be there and ready. Zaron mentions how he himself is the bait and so he has a personal stake in Operation Volcano as well. At Polyhex, the Decepticon base, uh, Shrapnel is attacking an Autobot and trying to get him to talk. The Autobot decides to trade info in exchange for his life. Uh, says that Autobot resistance leaders are meeting on the anniversary of the fall of Iacon to the Warlord Trannis. That's a neat name, Trannis. Uh, I don't think we've uh, seen that before, and uh, I would hopefully like to see more just to see what he this guy's all about. Uh, part, of, part of lore that we haven't seen. Uh, I'm hoping Marvel UK touches on this a little bit more later on, and they're going to be meeting at the Imperial Amphitheater in Iacon. I guess that's an Iacon. I don't think they really actually said. Anyway, Shrapnel uh, decides to execute this Autobot anyway, and looking on is Roadbuster. Yes, Roadbuster, the uh, deluxe Autobot vehicle, who you've never seen in fiction before this. Uh, it turns out Roadbuster uh, leaked the information to that Autobot and feels bad about what's happened to him, but he is watching on from a difference and knows that the ends kind of justify the means. On Earth, uh, Prime is speechifying to his team, reminding the Autobots of what they stand for and who they are. And then suddenly Optimus, Prowl, and Ratchet disappear, just like on the cover of the book. Back on Cybertron, Zaron is uh, at what they call the Matrix Flame. It's a little flame uh, in a, coming out of, a, I guess, a candelabra of sorts. Uh, uh, observing this Matrix Flame, and it flickers, and it fades, and it dies. And yes, that was a reference for you, uh, more than meets the eye loss like folks. Uh, and then back on Earth, back in Oregon, uh, three Decepticons arrive uh, through time and space. And those three are Galvatron, Scourge, and Cyclonus from the far off future of 2006. And uh, it's probably worth noting here that uh, there was a date change in the... Uh, uh, from one of the early versions of the script of Transformers the movie to the final version where they shifted 2006 to 2005. So there's a lot of things uh, in subsequent material that talk about the movie taking place in 2006. But if you go by season three, season three takes place in 2006 as well. So Galvatron, Scourge, and Cyclonus could all have come from that time as well. And that's how the issue wraps. We go on to issue 79, uh, a cover with the title uh, The New Leaders, featuring Galvatron and Ultra Magnus by John Higgins. And this issue written by Simon Furman, art by Jeff Anderson. I'm taking it back. Letters by Anne Halfacree, Half a Scroll. Colors with a U by Tony Joswiak and edits by Ian Rimmer. And this is actually part one of Target 2006. This is Target 2006 part one. And it starts with Cyclonus and Scourge just attacking things on Earth. Things get attacked. Trains, people, gas stations. 
and uh, Galvatron decides they should head off to visit Megatron. Uh, and they're headed to eastern Wyoming, where the Decepticon base is. Uh, that is straight out of the Marvel U.S. books as well. And a number of Autobots are there scouting the Decepticon base, trying to figure out what happened to Prowl and Ratchet and Optimus. And Jazz gives us a brief recap of that. And it's kind of neat that he refers to Prowl here as the Autobots' second-in-command. They spy on Megatron addressing the Constructicons, and Galvatron and company arrive. Galvatron informs Megatron that he comes from the future and knows a lot about history. Galvatron asks Megatron politely uh, if he can borrow the Constructicons. Uh, as a response, Megatron shoots Galvatron, and Cyclonus and Scourge draw their weapons. Galvatron proclaims that Megatron must not die because Megatron is Galvatron. Uh, and Cyclonus and Scourge then decide to bum rush Megatron and Soundwave. Uh, Galvatron transforms and brings a mountain down on top of them. Laserbeak lands on Galvatron and recognizes him, uh, uh, though they never give away that Megatron is Galvatron as per the movie because the movie has not come out in the UK at the time of this book's publishing. Galvatron takes command of the Constructicons in this scene, and then we're back off to Cybertron where Impactor and Zarin are arguing over Operation Volcano. We find out that Ultra Magnus is not going because he is being sent on another mission, a mission regarding the Matrix Flame. They need to find out what happened to Optimus because Optimus missing is why the Matrix Flame went out. So he's headed to Earth. And that wraps up issue number 79 of Marvel UK. Which takes us to issue 80 which features Ultra Magnus on the cover, entering through a space bridge. The words Arrival printed across the front. This is Target 2006 Part 2, and this cover art is by John Dillard. Stokes. I mean Stokes. Written by Simon Furman, pencils by Will Simpson, Stokes. inks by Tim Perkins, letters by Anne Half-A-Cree, half a scroll, colors with a U by Tony Joswiak, and edits by Ian Rimmer. Northern Oregon. The Autobots are spying on uh, what's going down here here with the Decepticons still. Those particular Autobots being Jazz and Hound. And we find out the uh, Constructicons, Scourge, and Galvatron are building some sort of solar-powered weapon. Who's not around is Cyclonus, because he's sneaking up on the Autobots here and uh, catches Jazz and shoots him. Elsewhere, a space bridge opens and Ultra Magnus enters space bridge to earth we get a flashback of uh magnus arguing with impactor magnus needs to be back for operation volcano in five earth days it's also a good note here is that magnus mentions that he has traveled back via uh spanners prototype space bridge which uh we kind of caught hints of back in marvel u.s issues number 17 and 18 we cut to Cyclonus, who is just beating up on Hound. And he mentions the term here, and I'll say it in quotes here, life sparks. So this is kind of one of the earliest mentions of uh, uh, Transformers having sparks, uh, or, you know, in some way, and, uh, you know, as a reference to their soul. Um, he's about to kill Hound when he is shot by Ultra Magnus. Cyclonus recognizes him, uh, but not the other way around. 
To which Cyclonus realizes that this is this time's Ultra Magnus, and he takes Hound and throws him at Ultra Magnus and flees. Magnus realizes that they have to get back to Autobot base and transforms into vehicle mode. Hound, uh, badly wounded, uh, so Magnus offers to carry him in his car carrier mode. Galvatron is informed of Ultra Magnus's presence, and they realize they have Jazz as a prisoner. Back at the Ark, Grapple is repairing Hound, and Ultra Magnus and Jetfire argue over what to do. And it's good to note here also, Jetfire was sold as a leader toy in uh, Europe and in the UK. And, and so we have this argument over leadership between Ultra Magnus and Jetfire. And whereas Jetfire wasn't really a leader in the US books, uh, he's certainly taking a leadership role in the UK books to uh, reflect what was available on toy shelves at the time. Ultra Magnus wants to continue on with his mission, find Optimus Prime. Jetfire wants to go after Galvatron. They get an incoming transmission, and it's Galvatron, and he has Jazz strapped to some sort of contraption and is clearly used as bait to lure out the Autobots. And that takes us to issue 81 uh, with a cover that says, To Be Continued, uh, features Galvatron defeating a whole bunch of Autobots by Will Simpson. Don't! Uh, the cover's pretty neat. He's got his uh, foot on uh, Ironhide's head, and that actually goes to some of the art that's inside this issue. This issue written by Simon Furman, art by Jeff Anderson. I'm taking it back. Letters by Annie, half a Cree, half a scroll. Colors with a U by Tony Joswiak, and edits by Ian Rimmer. And this is Target 2006, part three. And we open with Ironhide digging, uh, moving rocks, and remembering back on something that happened. And we get a lot of flashback in this uh, issue. And one of the neat things here, uh, it's something I, it's, I don't know if this is a comic convention. I don't mean like a convention you go to, but something they do in comics all the time. Um, the flashback scenes in this book feature thick borders. So uh, all the panels that are flashback feature thick borders that are either red or orange or a shade of yellow. Um, but they are, are certainly much, they're bordered uh, panels, whereas the main panels, the present time panels, just have a thick black line as the outer border. And uh, it starts with the first flashback uh, being Ironhide on the ground with Galvatron's boot, uh, foot, whatever you want to call it, at his head. And it's very similar to some of the art we see of Ironhide's death in Transformers the movie. And uh, we then flash back to the arc after the Autobots had received that message from last issue. And Jetfire, Ironhide, and Smokescreen gear up. Hound wants them to include Ultra Magnus, and they extend the offer to Ultra Magnus. But he says his mission to find Optimus Prime is just too important. So what happens? The Autobots attack. Mirage um, gets hit immediately. Jetfire is taken down by Cyclonus in the air. Uh, Scourge punches Wheeljack in the face at the same time shooting Braun in the shoulder, though not fatally in the shoulder. And uh, the Autobots then pile on Scourge. Jetfire returns saying he defeated uh, Cyclonus who went down in a uh, pillar of smoke and they take the battle to Galvatron. Ironhide, Jetfire, Trax, and Smokescreen all roll up on Galvatron, but it turns out someone needs to call Admiral Akbar. It's a trap! That's right, it was a trap. Scourge and Cyclonus return. 
Uh, there are fallen Autobots everywhere. The Autobots that are left are surrounded, and they fire on Galvatron, but it does nothing. Galvatron decimates all of these Autobots and tells Ironhide he is not even worthy of being killed and puts the boot to his head again. And that's the scene we had flashback to before. Present time, Ironhide is digging, and we figure out that he is digging out Megatron and Soundwave from the pile of rubble that Galvatron had put them in earlier. Back at the Ark, Grapple uh, fails to notice that uh, there is something going on in the repair bay, and someone is freeing themselves from repair bay. Who? Uh, we won't know yet. And that's where the issue ends. And there's an interesting note here that there are some profile. There's a profile in the back of this book for Ultra Magnus, and later we'll get one for Galvatron. But uh, we get uh, one here introducing uh, the new leaders, uh, this time being Ultra Magnus. And we get his origin, his profile, and his abilities. And there's, uh, it's not the same as his Transformers Universe profile, or, or his tech spec, for that matter. Uh, we find out that Ultra Magnus was built by the Autobot Elders and given life via the Matrix Flame. Uh, he has a rare gift for battlefield improvisation, uh, which means I guess he always says yes and. And uh, his head antenna are actual antennas. Uh, never knew that about Ultra Magnus. Uh, it's a pretty neat little thing they've added in to the character. And this takes us to the final issue we're going to cover this time around on Transformers University, and that is issue 82, a cover that says Meet the Wreckers uh, by Phil Gascoigne and features all of the Wreckers on the cover. Uh, Impactor, Rack and Ruin, Topspin, Twin Twist, Whirl, and Roadbuster. And a lot of disfigured, dismembered Decepticons. Twin Twist is holding Blitzwing's head. And we'll get into uh, just why this is there. And actually, the cover does say Meet the Wreckers and Get Wrecked. Um, this book features uh, writing, once again, by Simon Furman, art by Ron Smith, and we'll get into him in just a moment, letters by Richard Starkings, colors with a U by John Burns, and edits by Ian Rimmer. Now let's talk a little bit about Ron Smith. Uh, he is probably most well-known for working on Judge Dredd and 2000 AD, but he was also an actual Spitfire pilot in World War II. Uh, Post-World War II, he became an artist, uh, working on comics and other sorts of illustrations. Uh, his obituary, and I'll get into that in a moment, said he worked on a Def Leppard album cover, and I'm trying to figure out which one it was. And I'm, The only one I could kind of bring that to was possibly Def Leppard's High and Dry, which was done by an album art company called Hypnosis, which was based out of the U.K., and uh, did album covers for, for years for artists such as uh, Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin and many others. And I think that might be the one he worked on. I, I would love to get some sort of confirmation on that. Uh, but it's the only one where there wasn't an actual person uh, referenced for the album cover art. And it was also the only one that was painted uh, and not referenced to an actual person uh, from what I could find online. Now, sadly, uh, Ron Smith died of Parkinson's disease uh, in January of 2019. But he penciled this issue, which features the Wreckers, uh, and uh, is probably one of the most important single Marvel UK issues of all time. And it opens with the Wreckers attacking, and Impactor gives the rallying cry, Wreck and Rule! 
Now, Impactor then fires his uh, spear hand uh, through the head of Shrapnel, right between the eyes. Shrapnel then overloads and is about to explode, and Impactor takes him and throws him into Octane, where they both explode. And boom goes the dynamite, and we head over to Whirl, who is in uh, helicopter mode, drawing fire from above. We then see Rack and Ruin, uh, two... Autobots joined at the shoulder like Siamese twins. Uh, they share a middle leg. They have three legs total, two arms total. They're attached to the shoulder. I would love to see what they transform into. Uh, one has an anvil-like hand, and the other has a hammer-like hand. And they are pummeling thrust. We then find Topspin, who is choking Blitzwing while shooting Bombshell. And then Twin Twist and Roadbuster arrive and take out Ramjet and Dirge. The Decepticons are a smoldering pile, but we find out it was all a simulation. They're basically in the X-Men's danger room, and they are training for Operation Volcano. We get a recap via Impactor uh, about what's been going on. The Wreckers know it's a suicide mission without Ultra Magnus and decide to bail on Operation Volcano. Impactor goes to tell Zarin, and the rest of the team is dismissed for now. And we cut to McAdams' old oil house. This is another real important piece of Transformers lore. This is the bar on Cybertron. Uh, the first bar, this is neutral ground. Decepticons, Autobots, non-combatants. Everyone is welcome. Uh, just stay out of trouble. And we find Whirl, Roadbuster, and Twin Twist getting a beverage. But there is a spiky robot who is not happy and crashes the party. He is annoyed by the music. His name is Fang, and he beats up a piano robot. This is our first bot-bot in Transformers history, at least retconned, possibly. But Twin Twist is watching this, and he is not happy watching this guy, Fang, be a bully. Cut back to the base, and Impactor and Zarin continue to argue. Zarin talks Impactor into proceeding with Operation Volcano, though. And back at McAdams, Twin Twist decides he has seen enough and uh, beats up this guy, Fang, and gives a speech about Autobot responsibility to Whirl and Roadbuster, and they are both on board. We cut back to the Autobots version of the Danger Room, and Impactor asks for volunteers for Operation Volcano. Everyone volunteers. We restart the simulation. Wreck and rule. And thus, the Wreckers are on board for the remainder of Target 2006. And that is where we're going to wrap up this episode. But before we wrap up this episode, and actually I should talk a little bit about this issue. This is a really important one. This is a good one. Uh, we meet the Wreckers. We get some characterization for characters we rarely ever see in Transformers fiction. We get this great new group, the, the Wreckers, who are there to get the job done. Um, and it's kind of uh, a first-time thing of finding Autobots who believe the ends justify the means and uh, that sometimes you need to bend the rules in order to make things happen. And now I will wrap up this episode of Transformers University. I hope you had a good time taking this ride along with me. Remember, if you want to help out the show, easiest way to do it is our Amazon links. Go to tfu.info slash Amazon. Anything you buy on Amazon after that, they kick back a little bit of pennies our way. And uh, the more you do that, the more you help out the show. Of course, you want to help directly. There's always the Patreon. 
patreon.com slash tfuinfo. As I said before there, we are only two subscribers, two patrons away from hitting our first goal of 25 patrons and having video versions of the first three episodes of Transformers University. Finally, want to catch this show and everything else on social media, you can do so on YouTube, youtube.com slash tfuinfo, Twitter at tfu underscore info, facebook.com slash tfuinfo, instagram.com slash tfuinfo. And of course, you can catch this podcast uh, everywhere you enjoy podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, right? Uh, Google Play, Google Podcasts, whatever they're calling it now. Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify. We're just about everywhere uh, you listen to your shows. And uh, if we're not, let me know so I can figure out how to get us there. And of course, if you want to check out the website, it's on the web, www.tfu.info, the world's longest-running transforming toy archive. And if you want to reach out to me by email, it's info at tfu.info. Next time on the show, we're going to stay in the comic book world, but we're going to head back to Transformers the movie. We're going to talk a little bit about the Marvel U.S. adaptation of Transformers the movie into comic book form. What's cool about it? What's different? Well, you have to find out next time on Transformers University. Until then, I am your host, Anthony Bricali, owner, operator, madman behind TFU.info. Till next time.